I'm excited today. I want to dive into week number one of The Blessed Life. This is a series that comes from Pastor Robert Morris at Gateway Church. How many of you know Pastor Robert Morris? Uh, we love Pastor Robert and his church, and one of my best friends, Kim Tell Glasgow, is on staff with him, and so we love what they're doing. But this book, The Blessed Life, really touched my life when I read it probably about eight or, eight or nine years ago. And I want to do a series based off of this book. I think it's important for us as Christians to understand that God wants you to live a blessed life. Uh, that's okay. We don't pursue riches, uh, but we are thankful when God blesses us with riches and things and, and the blessings that he blesses us with. But it's not just riches or money. I mean, no, it's in relationships. Uh, it's in our health. It's in our family. It's in our marriage. The blessing of God is not limited to just finances. And so this series is really an overarching theme of how do we live the blessed life in our lives while we're here on this earth. And I don't know about you, but I'm all about living the life God wants me to live to the fullest. I don't want to just get to heaven. Come on, I want to bring heaven to earth. And that's what this series is about. I'm going to turn into Matthew chapter 7 and also uh, Luke chapter 6. We're going to go to both of these passages of verse, uh, Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn first with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 2. We're going to go through quite a few Scriptures this morning. So have your Bibles ready. You can follow along on the screen or in the app. We always have the message notes in the app as well. Verse 1 of chapter 7 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is Jesus speaking to the people. Uh, this sermon is what they call the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is talking to the masses and to the crowd. And he's hitting these different topics and subjects that he wants them to understand. And the thing I love about Jesus is that he always had a way to make complex things very simple. Uh, I think that's what great communicators do, and clearly Jesus was the greatest. He uses parables, stories, illustrations, because it's not good enough just to have head knowledge, but I mean, no, I need to have heart knowledge. And to have heart knowledge, i got to understand what's taking place and what the principles of heaven are that God wants me to implement in my life. And here, as Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, what we see, he talks about the attitudes of the heart. The attitudes of the heart. Now I want to go to Luke chapter 6 verse 37 and 38. This is Luke sharing the same context of the Sermon of the Mount. But this gospel writer actually adds a little more detail. And you'll find that in the gospels. A lot of times the same event is chronicled by more than one writer. And each writer emphasizes a different portion of that story to bring something to light in that gospel that he is sharing. And so we see that in Luke chapter 6. Uh, look at what he says. Judge not. So you can hear the same verbiage. He's talking about the same sermon that Jesus was sharing on the mount. And you shall not be judged. Look what he says. Condemn not. So he's going to add some things to it. Same sermon. A little bit different context. And you shall not be condemned. And then look what he says. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Yeah. Now, when he's talking here, what he's saying is the attitude of the heart that whatever I give, that's what I'm going to reciprocate. I'll get that back. And not only will I get it back, but look, he says, in a greater portion with which I gave. Look at what he says in verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. This is the same passage continuing. 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom for with what measure, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So here, when we hear the passage, if you've been around Christianity at all, many of you have heard that scripture in the context of giving finances, right? Give and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we Measured back to you, to your bosom. And I'll tell you, that would be correct in the context of giving. But what we have to understand as a people is that when we talk about giving and when God talks about giving, he's not just limited to finances. So in our mind, we instantly go to, well, that he must be finances. He's talking about, you know, giving money or resources but what we see here in Luke's interpretation and his, his diary or chronicle of this sermon, it's not just money. It's really the attitudes of the heart. So he's saying, look, if you give forgiveness, you'll get forgiveness back. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Somebody say, well, I could sure use some forgiveness. My question is, have you given forgiveness to others? Same thing with judgment. So when you judge others, how many know it's always easy to judge what others do based on their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions? Like, well, but I didn't mean to. Yeah, but your actions said something different. And what the Bible says is when you judge them, with whatever judgment you judge them, you're going to be judged back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Same thing with condemnation, with whatever I condemn other people. And so giving is more than just finances. It's really the attitudes of the heart, and it's a lifestyle of what I am giving to other people. And think about this. We give all the time. You know, someone said, well, pastor, when do you talk about giving? I talk about giving every single Sunday. Really? No, I don't, I, when you talk about finances, it's only once or twice a year. But in giving, it's every Sunday. You can't have a good marriage without giving love. You can't have a good marriage without giving words of affirmation. You can't have a good marriage without giving some grace. Come on, married people. We need some grace in our marriage. Right? It's, it's a constant I am giving. In fact, God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, to die for our sins. So giving in the context of the biblical understanding is not limited to just finances. It's every area in our lives. And what we've got to know is giving is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. When we look at generosity, when we look at giving, it has to do with our hearts. Now I want to go to Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 7. Uh, and I want to spend the rest of our time in this passage. We'll just go verse by verse. And I think we're going to understand some things clearly this morning that I believe will change our life. I really believe God wants to do something special and unique in your life. I believe some of you have hit a lid or a ceiling or a barrier. And you hadn't been able to break past it. But I really believe this series is going to help you break past that limitation and barrier in your life. Now, in Deuteronomy 15:7, this passage, I'm going to give you a little bit of the backdrop. The Israelites have arrived in the promised land. And so what God is doing is he's instructing them on how he wants them to possess the land. And part of that was what he wanted them to do with people who needed help and people that were poor. And so God begins to deal with these Israelites' hearts. And their attitudes of the heart. So in verse 7, look at what it says. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land that the Lord your God has given you, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Instead, be generous. Everybody say generous. generous. 
It's an attitude of the heart. So he says, look, be generous and lend them whatever they need. And so God is telling his people who are now possessing the promise that he foretold to them that they would possess, look, I want you to be generous. And I want you to be generous not towards each other, but to every person, whether they can bless you back or not, whether they're rich, whether they're poor, whether you like them, whether you don't. It doesn't matter. The the attitude of God is generosity. And so when we look at that, I I understand for me, it's like my question is, okay, God, how do I have a generous heart like you? God, how do I act and have the attitude that God has? I'm going to give you four things. The first one is this. you got to deal with the selfish heart. Look, continue to read in verse 9. He says, do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone to loan. So in other words, don't be selfish. Anybody ever felt like you were selfish? The rest of you a bunch of liars, but it's okay. We're going to deal with it. Because the year of canceling debt is close at hand, if you refuse to make a loan to the needy person who cries out, or to the needy person, he may cry out to the Lord and you will be considered guilty of sin. So basically what he's saying is selfishness produces sin in our lives. And let me give you a little bit of the context of what's being said here because you might not understand, especially if you're new to Christianity, when he's talking here about their debts being canceled, God had an economic system, and his economic system was every seven years would be the year of Jubilee. So if you had debt on the seventh year, every seventh year, all of your debt would be canceled. How many would love to institute that new economic system in our lives? Yeah, me too. be awfully nice. And so God had this because his people came out of slavery and he didn't want them to find themselves back into another type of slavery. And so he said, look, we're going to be generous every seven years. That debt will be canceled. And so basically what he's saying is if you have a neighbor who had a bad harvest and it's the six years, six months, and now they need to borrow because they don't have enough, don't in your heart say, well, I'll never get that money back. Like, they'll never be able to repay me because in six months, that debt's going to be canceled. God said, no, 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 no. I don't want you to have that attitude. That's the wrong attitude. In fact, that selfishness is the root of sin, and I don't want you to have that in your life. Selfishness. We've got to deal with the selfish heart. God wants his people to be generous. Now, in the area of selfishness, I just have to tell you, I don't know that men will ever grow out of this one area of selfishness. It's called food. Come on, man. Can I get an amen right there? Like, like Phyllis and I, like, and, and I'm working on it, and, you know, it's really difficult for me. I'd be unselfish in a lot of areas. But when it comes to food, like, food is something special. And I'll be in the line at Chick-fil-A, you know, holy chicken, getting it during the week. Can't get it on Sunday, so I get it Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Phyllis and I will go through the line, and I'm going to get a number one, the chicken sandwich, Come on, somebody. There's something. I think they have some kind of, like, I don't know what they have in it, but it's it's crack. It's crack. Legal crack. That's right. I was going to say it, but I said it a couple weeks ago, and I didn't want to get in trouble in my church. I think it is. I'm going to talk to court about that. But I always get a large fry. Come on, like, like, and I don't even care about the drink size. Like, you give me a medium tea, I don't care about it. I'm on a large fry. Well, Phyllis will get a salad. Right? I'm like, that's awesome. Hey, Phyllis, do you want some fries with your salad? 
she just sits there and she looks real, real sweet and looks over and does what probably a lot of you ladies, no, no, I'll just have some of. I'm like, oh, no, you won't. You're not having to. Look, lady, we're married, but I will buy you four side orders of fries. I'll buy you five. I'll buy you as many as you want. But you are not eating my fries. And listen, that means you can't even have the ones that fall in the bottom of the bag. Those are mine too. <laughs> Don't touch them. I mean, come on, man. You know what I'm talking about. They always wanted to share. Oh, Phyllis will say, I'll, I'll be getting some. She's like, great. I, I wanted to try that. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> right. It's selfishness. Why, what keeps us from sharing is it's selfishness. We want it for ourselves. And what we have to do if we're going to learn to be generous like God is ask God to expose the selfishness in our hearts. The second thing we got to do is we got to deal with a grieving heart. We're talking about being generous and having a giving heart. I find this very interesting. I remember a couple of years ago when I was studying this out for the very first time. Look at what it says in verse 10. I, I was really shocked at this passage. It says, you shall surely give to him. So this is the same passage talking about the one who needed to borrow. We're going to give to him. And your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. So in other words, I may not get it back. You know you're not going to get it back. And here, the Bible says don't grieve like there's a loss. Now, I was shocked the Bible would use the word grief because when you talk about someone who's a loved one that passes away, I mean, grief is natural, right? We're going to go through a season of grief. We're going to walk through grief. Why? Because the person we love is no longer here with us. Maybe you lose a relationship, you know, teenagers, or young adult, you got a boyfriend, girlfriend, and they drop you or break up with you. And, you know, there's some grief in that because you feel rejected. Maybe you walk through a divorce or you're estranged from a child or a relationship from a, a, a sibling. And so we recognize in the losing that relationship, there's some grief. But I never thought there would be grief when it comes to money, when it comes to giving, when it comes to generosity. But I really saw this personally. It was about five years ago. My son, Carson, he's my middle son, uh, looks like a surfer boy with a blonde hair and flips it. He's <laughs> like Bieber, you know, just. He was six years old. And, you know, our church is only six and a half years old. Well, we were still having a lot of meetings in our home. And so we had giving centers. Since the very beginning, we don't pass offering plates in buckets. If you want to give, you just drop the giving in the giving centers, give text online just the same way. So we had a giving center in our house. And my kid is young, he's six, but he gets commissioned. You know, we believe that if we're going to give our kids money, they ought to work for that money. Come on, I ain't giving no allowance. Come on, somebody. There ain't no free ride up in here. In fact, they're all about to start paying rent. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so I pay him commission. And he made $10. He did something, you know, we, we blessed him. We knew they were going to do something, so we gave him $10. Well, I'm sitting down talking about the principle of tithing. So we go through the process. Hey, we give back to God what belongs to God, but we give him the first 10%. And so, hey, what's 10%? You know, it's a dollar from $10. So we go get a giving envelope just like you have out there. You'll find in your worship guides like all of us do and we get the, the giving envelope, put a dollar in there and put his name on it. He's all proud. And we pray over the giving. We say, God bless this. 
We're giving it back to you. And it's amazing. My heart is touched. I'm like, I am teaching my son the principle of tithing. And he's got a smile. He's like, I'm with you, Daddy. It's awesome. Drops it in the giving center. I don't think anything about it. I go off to work. Phyllis calls me a little bit later in the day. She says, you will never believe what Carson did. And I said, what, baby? Tell me, tell me what Carson did. She said, when nobody was looking, he went and got the key to the giving center out of your desk, went to the giving center, unlocked it, pulled his ties out, locked it back up, took his money out, put it in his wallet, and didn't say a thing. <laughs> he took back what he had given to God. Isn't it interesting that even as a child, grief will try to attack you when you give? You wonder why? Here's why. Because when grief attacks, grief tells you a lie that now when you give, you're at a loss. However, kingdom principle and God's way of living and doing is not a plus and a minus like when I give I lose it's like when I give God multiplies back to me and there's no loss but multiplication I want you to see this in verse 10 look after he says look should not be grieved to, uh, when you give to him look at what it says because everybody say because for this thing giving with the right heart the Lord will bless, everybody say bless, yes. you in a few of your works, in just your finances, in a couple of things. He says all, everybody say all. all. He said all your works and all to which you put your hand. So in every facet of your life, when you learn to give with a generous heart, when you don't grieve, it's like, wow, I got it. I understand that when I give, it's the heaven's opportunity to bless my life. It's not about Sister Amazing or Brother Awesome or my employer or any other person, but God on high in heaven takes a personal interest in your life to begin to bless everything you put your hands to do. It's amazing. It's a miracle. And it's, it's God saying, look, if you will do it with the right heart, I'm going to bless you. And it's that giving that unlocks the blessing of God in life. In your finances, in your family, with your kids, in your marriage, in your health, in every area of your life. Now, how many of you have ever given, and right after you gave something, and maybe a pretty significant gift, something in your life breaks? Anybody ever had that happen? Like, your car breaks down, like you gave in the legacy offering, which we've got coming up in about eight weeks, and then your car breaks down. And what's the first thing the enemy tells you? See, you shouldn't have done it. It wasn't wise. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Phyllis and I have given. We had one time we gave significant way back when we were first learning to develop our gift of giving, which I believe we have in our life, and our plumbing in our house broke. Like, I'm like, for the love of God, when does my plumbing break? And so much so that it costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get it. But what I had to recognize was that was just an attack of the enemy. And here's what you got to recognize too is it would have broke anyway. But at least now I got seed that God can bless to bring more than enough to provide for where I'm at now. And so we understand that for us it's not a loss. But God, you're going to bless every area in my life. You know. I just had a thought, and sometimes this happens while I'm preaching. Some of them are good thoughts. Some of them are not so good thoughts. As you all know, having listened to me week after week and year after year, and 
you know, I, I, ought to, I, I don't know better than to say anything about the thought, but I just, I had a thought. Here was my thought. I don't have any cash for lunch after church today. Come on, I mean, I'm in trouble. Anybody, that's just a thought. Like, I ain't got no cash. Oh, you got some cash for me. Come on, Pastor Kevin, what you got for me, man? What? What? You got cash? Oh, my. This, he's a big baller right there, man. My. I wish they were hundreds, but they're 20, so that's 100 bucks. Pastor Kevin, thanks, man. We're gonna, Phyllis, we're going to eat good today. We're going to Red Lobster. So you sit there and you say, why would Pastor Kevin get up and give me that money? Because I gave it to him before the service. <laughs> That's why he gave it to me. Now, now, here's the thing. I gave it to him before the service started. I don't think Pastor Kevin is grieving over giving me money for lunch. I mean, how many know it was my money anyway? Grief only happens when you think what you have belongs to you. So when God's asking you to give, that's how grief attacks because you're like, it was mine to begin with. But the truth is, look at what Psalms 24.1 says. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I know you worked hard for the money that's in your wallet. I know you worked hard for the house that you have and the car that you drive. But you got to recognize you no longer belong to yourself. We are, we are bond servants of Christ. We've been bought with a price, and thank God for that because we get to spend eternity in heaven with God. But our life is not our own. Everything you have and everything I have, it all belongs to God. And when we recognize that, what happens is we can now deal with grief and say, well, that didn't belong to me anyway. It was all his. But we have to deal with a grieving heart. Third thing is we got to develop a generous heart. So you got to cultivate a generous heart. That doesn't just happen naturally, but it's something that we have to develop each and every one of us. Look at verse 14. It says, You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock and out of your floor and out of your wine press. Of all that which the Lord your God blessed you with, you shall give to him. And so God is doing this. He's like, hey, don't forget you were a slave and I'm the one that blessed you and everything that you have, I want you to bless people out of the blessing that I have blessed you with. That's why I tell us as a church, look, it's okay for us to be blessed. In fact, as a church, we couldn't change the world if we were broke. There is no, no honor and glory for God in a church or a people that are broke. Thank God, God blesses his people so they can be a blessing to the world around them. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I want you to bless them with all the things that I have blessed you with. See, you were born selfish, but you're born again generous. And so on the inside of you, when you've been born again, there is this attack of selfishness. But at the core of who you are, there has been a transfer of, of God's DNA into your life. God is generous. So at the core of your being, you actually are generous as well. You want to be generous. But we have to renew our minds and we have to attack the selfishness and say, no, we're not going to be selfish. We're going to develop generosity in our life. And we see this all the time with our kids. I mean, no, the, the hardest lesson to teach your kids is to share. Come on, it's like, hey, come on, share. I need you to share. And, and we've all seen this for Phyllis and I. Our core value at our family is generosity. It's also one of the core values of us here as a church. And it's that we want to bless people and bless the world around us. But try to teach that to one of your kids. 
You know, I got two girls, and they've got a room full of dolls. You would think they had more than enough, but you see this little neighborhood girl comes over. They're all sweet and playing, and the girls are in the room. Well, the neighborhood girl walks into the room. She's playing with the doll, and what does one of my girls do? She puts down the doll she's playing with, and she goes and picks up this doll that the neighborhood kid that we're trying to minister to as a Christian family <laughs> is playing with and says, that's mine. Yeah, and then that girl puts that doll down and goes to get a doll that nobody's playing with and picks it up. And then my other precious little girl comes over and says, that's mine too. Right, I mean, you don't have to teach kids to be selfish. What you have to do is you have to teach them to be generous. And that's what we have to do as adults. The problem is many adults never grew up and they still live as that selfish kid when God's saying, look, you're my kid. I need you to grow up and be generous. Which is why the Bible says in Luke 6.30, is somebody laughing? You're like, oh, I'm growing up. I'm growing up. <laughs> Verse 30, it says give. Everybody say give. give. To anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Then dropping down to verse 35, which you ought to read this whole passage, Luke 6, 30 through 36. But 35 says, love your enemies. Again, what are you doing? You're giving. You're being generous with love. It's easy for you to love people that are nice to you. Go try to love on someone who's hating on you. I mean, no, that's, that's tough. But that's the life God's called us to live as Christians. We're to give love. He says, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. I mean, no, that sounds like giving with the right heart. I don't give to get. I have to tell you, uh, that whole philosophy that swept through the church, I just reject that. We don't give to get. We give to give. Now, we can believe God in certain things. I remember last legacy uh, or the Heart for the House offering, Phyllis and I, gave very significantly in our lives. I felt like the Lord, I do the same thing you do. You say, well, you're the pastor. Yeah, but if I don't lead it, you won't do it. And so I, I asked God and I told Phyllis and we're like, wow, okay, we're going to do it. I remember saying, God, I'm asking for this to be seed for a business venture that I would like to start. But I didn't give to get a business venture. I gave because God spoke to me to give. I gave to give. And then all of a sudden, man, God opened up doors and that business venture came to fruition. But there's a difference between saying, God, I'm going to give and this is what I want and I'm expecting you to do it. Otherwise, I won't give again. Really? That doesn't sound like something that honors God. We give to give. And he says, look, so we don't do it expecting to be repaid. He says, then your reward is from, everybody say that word, heaven. How many would rather heaven reward me? God has a great way of rewarding us far beyond what we could ever ask for, or hope, or imagine. And he says it's going to be very great. And if God says it's going to be very great, come on, somebody. I just got to trust that God's reward is much better than I could ever do on my own. And he says, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. So God's saying, look, I'm generous. As my kids, just as we would teach our kids to be generous, God is saying, look, I'm asking you to be generous. I want you to be the people that when the world sees you, you don't act like the world. There's something different. And then when they see that, it gives glory to God who is a generous God. The last thing we've got to do is we've got to develop a grateful heart. A grateful heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 15 the last portion of that scripture, it says, look, you shall remember that you were a slave. Everybody say slave. So they had come out of the land of Egypt. The Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command. Isn't that interesting? I'm a slave. I've been redeemed. Now God commands 
that we be generous. Because that's what we say, this thing, the generous act. I command you to do that thing today. He said, look, I'm telling you that nothing you have came from you. I want you to remember that. And because it belongs to me anyway, I'm commanding you to be generous, to bless the poor, to bless those who can't do anything for you, to bless people who would be down and out, to bless people that the world would shun away. I'm asking you to be the hands and feet. I'm asking you to love them. I'm asking you to give and not expect something in return. I'm asking you to let them see God in you so that when they look at you, they know their heavenly Father loves them and cares for them and believes in them I mean think about this and and I'm talking to the Christians in this room I know some of you are here and you're just checking it out you're in the right place you don't have to believe to belong come check it out but for the rest of us we've been saved think about it What kind of hell were you living in before God? Right? Some of you wasn't that long ago. Doing all the things the world says to do and you're struggling with suicide because it's so empty. Marriage is falling apart. Your life is falling apart. You're strung out on drugs, alcohol. And then God saved you. Maybe the invite of a friend. Maybe you saw a sign on the street from the setup team that does it week in and week out. Some drew you to a place. Many of you gave your lives to Christ in this place. You were in slavery. God set you free. See, it's easy to be generous when you remember where you came from. I think the challenge for us is that we forget how desperate we were. It's because, look, you're, you're cleaned up now. You're polished up. Your marriage is doing pretty good. Your family's doing good. Your finances are doing good. And so it's so easy for us to get swayed away. And then we're like, God, where are you? He's like, I never left. You're the one that's drifted. Life has a way of causing us to drift. <clears throat> you know, I had many times in our lives, God's asked Phyllis and I to empty our bank accounts. I mean, we were never rich. But how many know when you've got a little something, it's like, wow, that's a safety net. And the world teaches you, hey, keep the safety net, keep all that. And I, I, I agree totally, 100%, it's wisdom. But how many know you know when God's speaking to you? I'd look to her and say, hey, baby, I think God's saying to give this. She's like, great. I do the finances. And I'd turn back, I'd say, no, that's all we got. <laughs> Just want you to know. <laughs> we could be in a box. So ride or die, and her and I just said, hey, we'd rather live in a box in the will of God than in a mansion outside the will of God, right? I mean, we've never forgotten. See, if you're grateful for what you have, you can be generous in what you give. And that's what I want to leave us with this morning, just... We're going to take a second, just pray. And this series, I, I want to encourage you to come back. It's more than just finances. It's, it's about God doing a holistic work in your life. The inside out, that every area. And I, I honestly believe we've been brought to this region to break a spirit of poverty. And poverty 
is very interesting because you can have a lot of stuff and still have a spirit of poverty. Like you, you can see things and say, well, they got the latest, greatest and all that. No, no, no. Spirit of poverty says there's not enough. I got, like I got to hoard this. I got to keep this. Why? Because I don't know what tomorrow brings. Well, this is what I know. The Bible says don't worry about your tomorrow. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and then all the other things will be. And if we could break that spirit of poverty, your life will be blessed. Your kids' lives will be blessed. Generations passed down, they'll learn to live outside of the world's economy. See, I'm not, I don't worry about a recession. I remember when the recession hit. Everybody's freaking out. I'm a tither. Like, I, I know. I understand economic system, but I understand God's word better than the other economic system. And I have to tell you, when it hit, like, things you know, got a little tight, but we were still blessed. And that's what I want to teach you as a church is that you're not dependent on the stock market. You're not dependent on your job. It doesn't matter if they let you go. You're in the will of God. God's got a better job lined up for you. And if he doesn't, there's something coming to pay those bills to get you through, to walk you to the next stage until the right place opens up. And there's nothing like having your family blessed. Not perfect. Listen, we've told you before, I like to tell you funny stories that really self-deprecation because I, I just think I'm just like you. You know, I, I think it's, it's amazing. I'm not looking for a perfect family. Don't look at my kids like they're perfect. I am looking for a healthy family. Come on, somebody. I want a healthy marriage. But I got to tell you, Phyllis and I still fight sometimes. She's always wrong, but we still fight. <laughs> She's always right. I married a good woman right there. She, she needs a badge, a star. But we always just said, look, we just want our, our marriage to be healthy. Look, with this in a perfect church, we're a healthy church. We love people. We love you. And I just want, I just sense God doing a deep work in our life. And I want, to, I want to ask you, stay with me in this series. Come back week after week. Let's see God bless our lives and break through some things that we've been stuck in for a long time. Some of you, it's been generations. And God wants to break it off. Let me just pray over us and we're going to close the service. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for your word that has gone forth. Lord, I'm asking you to move in our hearts. I know your word touched us in different places. Maybe right now you could just talk to God. Just tell him something that resonated in your heart. Something that you grabbed a hold of. And really what that is, let me teach you. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Because God's word is alive. It's active. And so when the word goes forth, the Holy Spirit will begin to work in your heart. He'll begin to share things and show you things. And so the tragedy of a moment like this is that we rush out not having embraced the truth that God wanted to impart, and therefore we leave unchanged. And so this is the time you just tell him, God, I receive it. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe there's been some selfishness. Maybe there's been something in your life, some grief that you didn't understand whose money it was or whose, whose, whose resources or whatever it is. Just begin right now to talk to the Holy Spirit. Talk to the Lord. Talk to God. Just let him speak through you. Make it applicable. Thank you, Father. You Thank you, Jesus. Hold my heart now and forever, my soul. We worship you, God. Come on, just talk to him just a little bit more. Father, we worship you, Lord. God, I pray this morning, God, 
you move in this place. God, touch our hearts. God, that you would transform us. Lord, I thank you for this message to break barriers. Lord, limitations, God, that we would apply this to our hearts. Lord, I thank you for a receptive heart to hear your truth, to embrace your truth, and to walk out of here, walking out your purpose for us. We love you. We embrace you in Jesus' name.